Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, hey, if you're listening to this in real time, then you know that we are coming to the end of this season and getting ready for season 12 of the Firetime Podcast. And this seriously blows my mind that we have come this far and it's been really, really fun to get to do all the episodes this season. Now, as I record this, I'm gearing up for Nashville next week and I'm I am really, really stoked. You've been hearing about it from the HPBA, your affiliates, and and everybody else, but this show is going to be something special. I was really honored this year because I was asked to co-host both the keynote address and the award ceremony, and as I have been putting together my presentation for the keynote, I, I feel like our industry is in a really unique spot where retailers in general are are getting squeezed. There might be some that are up, but there's a lot of retailers that are feeling the pressure. And suffice to say that the future is uncertain at best. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have agency and autonomy to grow our companies and push them forward regardless of what happens in the future, but it does mean that things are going to be difficult. And as we get ready for this trade show, I feel like this is a really unique time for our industry to come together and to, to build bridges of relationship that will carry us forward as we move ahead. And so I'm, I really hope to see you guys there. I'm, I'm super pumped for it. Now, as you know, we're going through a series of Firetime Magazine rapid reactions where we listen to an audio article from the Firetime Magazine together, and then I immediately hit record and give you my rapid reaction to it. And this is an article that I absolutely love. It came out in the September issue of the Firetime Magazine this year, and it is written by my friend and mentor, Tim Rethlake. And I remember seeing this when it came out and just feeling like there is so much gold here. And I'm really excited now to get to listen to this audio article again and give you my rapid reaction to it. So let's go ahead and do that. You're going to want to get out a pen and paper because this article is gold and I'll share my thoughts as soon as we finish listening to it. It's Cool to Be Kind by Tim Rethlick, owner of Traction Coaching. You've got to be cruel to be kind in the right measure. Cruel to be kind, it's a very good sign. Cruel to be kind means that I love you, baby. You've got to be cruel to be kind. Nick Lowe. Nick Lowe penned those lyrics in 1978, which coincidentally was my first year in the hearth industry. Lowe received his Master of Arts and Doctor of Philosophy degrees from the University of Cambridge, where he undoubtedly was immersed in the works of Shakespeare. It was Hamlet, speaking to his mother in Act 3, who said, I must be cruel only to be kind. Thus bad begins and worse remains behind. Lowe's lyrics were clearly influenced by the truth in this Shakespearean oxymoron, and you, as a business leader, should pay heed as well. In the 45 years that I held sales positions with hearth manufacturers, I had innumerable opportunities for expense accounts supported breaking a bread with business owners of distributors and dealers. Here was one of my favorite questions for them. If you could have any do-overs in your business, what would they be? Far and away, the most common answer was some variation of this line. I would have had the hard conversations sooner. What was your immediate thought when you read their response? 
Did a particular team member's face flash before your eyes? If you have 20 employees, statistically, at least one of them is toxic to your company culture. You likely have a problem child on your payroll, and you likely know full well who it is. You know who else knows? The rest of your team, because they're the ones who are avoiding this person, picking up the slack, and enduring the negativity and mental abuse. All of this comes at great cost to your team, your culture, your brand, and you personally. According to a Harvard Business School study, there are six primary types of behavior that will negatively impact your team. Often, multiple behaviors can manifest in a single individual. I've translated the Harvard behavior types into Harthies. See if any of the following characters seem familiar to you. Tommy Boy. This is Tommy, your spouse's nephew, who you put on payroll at your sister-in-law's pleading because Tommy is drifting and a job will give him the direction he needs. Tommy is plenty smart and plenty lazy. Smart enough to know when you're watching him and when you're not. Smart enough to play dumb about a task so it's easier for coworkers to just do the task themselves instead of showing Tommy, again, how to do it. Smart enough to know the bare minimum he must do to keep playing his family card. It's worth keeping Tommy around just to keep peace in the family, right? Top Dog Don. This is Don, your most tenured builder salesperson. His legacy builder accounts keep him at the top of your sales scoreboard. Don's quotes are seldom complete and accurate, which isn't a big problem since Kathy can always be counted on to chase down the missing information. Don didn't adopt the new sales process you make the other reps use, and you let it slide because, you know, that's just Don. Don routinely pressures your ops team to work in jobs for his builder buddies who forgot to schedule their installs. Don doesn't have to play by the rules everyone else does because he's the top dog, right? Negative Norman. This is Norman, and he finds fault in others like you bonus him for it. Norman brightens up a room by leaving it. He complains about how other employees dress, how they smell, how messy their desks are, what they leave in the fridge, how lazy they are, how uncooperative they are, and on and on and on. You know what else Norman does? He balances the books every month, and debits always equal credits, and he has never missed a book closing in the 16 years since your dad first hired him. Norman has never missed a day of work, rarely takes time off, and can always be counted on to lock up when you need it. They just don't make him like Norman anymore, right? Emotional Emily You hired Emily because she was so perky and outgoing in the interview, which made her perfect for showroom sales. And you were onto something. She's outgoing, all right, sharing every detail of her very active personal life with her coworkers and asking for their advice. Every day. Emily has no sense of boundaries between her personal and work worlds. You've coached her on making changes, and she does for a week, but then she's back on the showroom couch like it's a therapist's office. But customers love her. She connects quickly, gains their trust, and their online reviews of her are glowing. The team can put up with a little personal oversharing as long as customers love her, right? Bully Billy. Billy is hands down the best service tech you've ever had. As long as he can get the parts, he's one and done on any call you send him on. Billy's not lacking in self-confidence and tells everyone he knows, coworkers and customers alike, how valuable he is to your company. He's sometimes impatient with customers, and he bullies any new service techs you send him to the point where they don't want to come back the next day, or any days after that. When you call him out on it, Billy just says, I saved you a lot of trouble. That kid was never going to cut it. While Billy isn't the ideal team player, you overlook his bullying because everyone knows really great service techs are impossible to find. Right? Gossipy Gloria When Gloria's not at her desk, she can usually be found in the break room or out at the dock when the install crews are loading out. 
A casual observer may assume that part of Gloria's job description is making sure that everyone in the company is up to speed on Emily's latest escapade, or sharing the proposed changes to the sales comp plan that you inadvertently left on the printer tray. Gloria never lets the facts get in the way of a good story, and the more people she can tell, the happier she is. But she's also the one you can rely on to handle the details of the company's summer picnic, coordinate photos with Santa in the showroom, and stay on top of the company's Facebook postings. And we all know that social media marketing is the lifeblood of a successful dealership, right? All of these characters, with the exception of Tommy, have one thing in common. There's an aspect of what they do that's highly valuable to you, but it also comes with collateral damage to your team. And with the labor market still tight, it's easy to see why leaders often rationalize overlooking the bad in order to keep the good. This devil's bargain of damned if you do, damned if you don't, must have been what was on Shakespeare's mind when he wrote that thus bad begins and worse remains behind. Fortunately, toxic employees are the minority, approximately 5% according to HBR. Unfortunately, they will take an oversized toll on your team, and they must be dealt with. Doing nothing would be like visiting your oncologist and having her say, Unfortunately, your test showed some cancerous cells, but not that many really, so we're not going to do anything about it. How long would it take for you to seek out a second opinion? Probably less time than you've spent reading this article. But how do you deal with it? You can't just proclaim, the king and queen are displeased with the behavior of some royal subjects and expect total loyalty and fealty from this day hence. That won't work because your past actions, or inactions in this case, overshadow your words. Nothing will get your royal subject's attention faster than a head on a stake outside the castle gate, and in the above case, you have the perfect option. The royal nephew, Tommy. Yes, that may mean you will have a few less attendees at the next royal family banquet, but so be it. You now have your townspeople's attention. If the king just beheaded the royal nephew, they'll think, what does that mean for my neck? Dealing with the rest will be more challenging. They need to be handled fairly but firmly and they deserve to be given the time and resources to make the improvements you require of them. You must take the time to have a private, face-to-face discussion with an immediate written follow-up that must include the following categories. Improvement needed. This must be in clear, simple language. In Don's case, you can't say, improve accuracy of job quotes. You can't measure that. Your expectations must be specific, as in, all job quotes entered into the system must be 100% accurate and complete. Resources. In some cases, you may want to provide additional resources to help the team member make the improvements you are requiring. In Emily's case, it may be ensuring she knows how to access the mental health and therapy resources provided through your group health care plan. Accountability. You must be clear in how you intend to keep score on your team's progress. With Norman, you could say, we will meet quarterly to review your 360 results. To be clear, 360 reviews are assessments of employees' performance from their manager, their peers, and any direct reports they may have. The accountability section is also where you put specific timelines for check-ins with you or achievement of improvement. Consequences. This is usually perceived as a negative word, but there can be positive consequences resulting from achieving goals and required improvements. Your written communication should include both the specific downside and upside. Here are some examples. Failure to achieve these specific improvements within the timeline stated will result in the end of your employment here. Achievement of the specific improvements within the timeline stated will result in you continuing as a valued member of our team, along with 5% compensation increase. The above process is only one way to have hard conversations. Use whatever specific process you're most familiar with to have them. But please, have them when necessary. You may think ignoring it is the kind thing to do. It's not. It's just easier for you. Being kind is cruel. 
cruel to yourself, to your team, and most importantly, to the team members in question. Proactively addressing the improvements they must make will either result in them becoming better team players or in freeing up their futures to be a better fit in other organizations. Anything less would be cruel indeed. About the author. Tim Rethlake is the owner of Traction Coaching, based in St. Paul, Minnesota, where he helps clients focus on what's important, not just urgent. To connect with Tim or learn about his work with individuals and businesses, go to www.tractioncoaching.com. Well, my goodness, there is so much in that article. And I'm, I'm looking down at the notes that I was taking while I was listening to it. And, and they're extensive. I don't, I don't know if we'll be able to get through all of them. But I would imagine if you're anything like me, as you listen to TR outline those profiles, you start having names and images pop into your head because we've all worked with those different people. And in your organization, you know, like, I mean, like Tim said, chances are if your company's more than 15 people, you probably have one, maybe more. And it's really important for us to think about how to address this. You know, as, as he outlined, many people, because of the busyness of their company or the productivity that that team member gives, it makes it difficult for the business owner to make a decision about having a tough conversation with them or even letting them go if they need to. But the problem is that, that there's collateral damage. I, I love that Tim used that phrase because there is collateral damage. When you have someone in your company that embodies those characteristics outlined, it affects everybody. And A players start to leave and the people that remain oftentimes are seriously less productive than they would be if they didn't have that baggage that they were carrying because of that toxic team member. And man, I, th- I think that there's a lot there. You know, it, it makes me think about the fact that that it, it takes it takes courage to be kind. And and I go back to the to the proverb that says, "Wounds from friends are better than kisses from enemies." Now, if you're in a position of leadership and you value a team member's dignity and and your relationship with them, then you owe them feedback, even if that's difficult for them to hear. You owe it to them. For you to withhold that feedback is is either for you to say, uh, I don't believe that they actually have enough dignity to be able to take this, which, you know, I, I can't promise how someone's going to take something. But but for you to make that call arbitrarily when you're in a position of leadership and, and, and there's somebody who works underneath you, like it comes with the territory of leadership that, that you owe people feedback. That, that doesn't mean that you're a jerk. It doesn't mean that you deliver that feedback in a way that is demeaning or rude or anything like that, but, but you owe that to people. And, and what came to mind for me is, is a couple of things. So I can think of a, a few different situations in uh, my, my career where I've, I've been in a position of leadership and had somebody that met one of these characteristics. And in one situation, it was a salesperson. And, and this was a person that I really liked. And the results that that person gave were pretty good. Not a top performer, but they were pretty good. I mean, kind of like in the article, like good enough that you would say, ah, oh, do we really want to cut bait? Like, you know, I mean, we can kind of live with it, right? It's not that big of a deal. But as the issue started building, it was very clear that we we needed to have a conversation about this. And what that looked like for us was me sitting down with this person and just saying, hey, we got to have a really tough conversation 
that might be difficult for you to hear, but I need to tell you about some things that I've been observing and that other team members have been observing. And from there, we started to talk about it. And, and I found that, that just by prefacing that, hey, we're going to have to have a really difficult conversation that might be pretty tough to hear. I found that oftentimes that's a good way to start is just to be totally honest. Now, in the case of this team member, going into that conversation, I made sure to have everything documented, the, the behavior that was out of line and who it affected and what needed to be done. And we put this person on a 90-day probation plan. And essentially, what we said was, if nothing changes, you're not going to have a job in 90 days. If nothing changes, that, that decision has been made. But the good news is that over the next 90 days, if you can do this, 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 and this, we have these things documented that we needed to see. If you can do these things you're going to be in great shape and it's going to be a lot easier for you to interact with the team as well. And, and in this one particular case, this person rose to the occasion and, and they attacked their probation period. There was a massive turnaround in a lot of the issues that had been going on and they became, you know, a really productive team member that worked well with the team. That was an example where it worked out really well. I can think about another situation I've had and, uh, and, and the example here would be the negative Norman. You know, this, this was a person who, was incredibly negative be, beyond anything that that I've ever seen and they had a, a victim mentality where there was always something wrong that was happening to them that was somebody else's fault it was never their fault it was always somebody else's fault on on why these things were happening but the person had you know decent productivity maybe not the, 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 the fastest or the most efficient team member, but, but decent, they would always show up on time. They would work sick. They would do whatever you asked of them, but their interaction with other team members was horrific. And actually from both team members and customers, there were a lot of complaints. And, and for me, because I, I, I just, I just sympathized with this, with this person. And, and I, and I, I really wanted to believe the, the the best about them, I put off having the conversation for too long. And and as I look back on it, more than anything, it was me feeling like they're probably not going to be able to take the feedback that I have to give. And I don't want to deal with that. So we're just going to keep working around it. And and really that was the wrong call because a like that's not my call to make, you know. If I'm in a position of leadership and and this person is causing difficulty with the team, you know, I I owe it to both them and the team to to give that feedback. And fortunately, the way that the situation worked out, I I was able to have some pretty direct conversations actually at the same time as this person had their own series of complaints and they were kind of threatening that unless something changed, they were going to go elsewhere. And I, in, in talking with them kind of laid out that, uh, based on everything you said, you know, this may not be the best fit, but here's what we can do for you. And I tried to lay out very, very clearly what was going to be expected of them going forward. And that person put in their two weeks, you know, shortly after. So, that's a situation that I put off for too long and, you know, maybe it could have been salvaged if I would have taken action on it sooner. But, uh, yeah, listening to this article, those are just two situations that, that came to me. You know, one, one of the things 
for me today in, in my world at, at Wi-Fi, it's not one of our core values, but, but it's something that we talk about very frequently. We believe as a company that we need to stay as small as possible as long as possible. And I, I think that businesses, you know, find this uh, difficulty as they grow, where as a company gets bigger and bigger, it's very tempting to just add more infrastructure to it. And there is a time and a place for, for adding that team member, whether it's part-time or full-time, to, to help share the load. But Peter Drucker talks a lot about how a business is, is like a, a cell. If you imagine like a, like a, a drawing of a cell, you've got the, the outer part of the cell. And he says that is what actually gives value to your customers and the company. But then you have this inner mass of the cell. And the inner mass is always much bigger than the outer circumference of the cell. And he said that most organizations, as they get bigger, they, they get bigger like a cell. Where, sure, their, their radius to serve does slightly increase. But in many cases, they add mass to the inside that doesn't actually contribute to successful interactions with customers and, and moving things forward. Now, that's what he says. And, and I think that there there is some truth to that. But more than anything for us and our companies, we need to realize that if we're in that position where we have these team members, it, it will negatively affect other people on the team. So it's up to us to do something about it. And and I would recommend you know dealing with this privately, make sure Everything is documented. And, and I would always look for restoration. Always look for that. You know, like in that situation where I, I put a team member on probation, going into it, you know, saying like, if nothing happens, then in, in 90 days, you know, you're not going to work here anymore. But we don't want that to happen. And so that's why we've lined out the things that we need to see in order for this to turn around. And and in that case, the person absolutely rose to the occasion. And, and it was really, really cool to to see how that went. If you go into these conversations without that, and you're just speaking off of emotion, it gets really, really bad, really, really fast. So what TR said is super good in there. You know, it was the end of the article with the example of, you know, putting a head on a stake, right? If the royal nephew's head is on the stake, man, the townspeople look at that and think, my goodness, if, if they're going to do that to to him, you know, what could happen to us if we slack off? And, and, and there really should be a healthy fear of that. I say healthy, not, not unhealthy, but what, what that says is that bad behavior will not be tolerated. And, and, and this goes back to why a company needs to have core values and a mission that they adhere to because team members don't feel safe and secure at work when they're always looking over their shoulder at that bully that's going to come along and just plow them over. But when you can create an environment that actually says, you know, our core values come above anything, they come above anything at all in this company, you know, then all of a sudden the team has something to believe in. Uh, another thing I, I think about as we close out here is that, you know, there was a time in a, in a previous company where someone very, very high up had some pretty uh, egregious behavior that was in clear violation of, of, you know, multiple core values within the company. And there had been all kinds of complaints. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, all kinds of complaints for years. And it was just kind of, you know, swept under the rug. And it was like, oh, well, you know, well, that's, that's just the way this person is. I mean, you know who they are. They don't, they don't mean it. But, but it kept, you know, building up and building up. And, and, and finally for me, it just, it just got to a point where it's like, if, if we don't 
believe our core values enough to enforce them, you know, regardless of the person's position in the company, then what are we doing here? And, uh, you know, for me, that was, uh, that was kind of one of the signs that, uh, that something needed to, to change for me and, and for my future. And, and I think that that's the case for, for a lot of team members, right? That as, as a company keeps this dead weight in it, team members, they leave, they go find something better where, where they don't have to deal with that. And, uh, you know, like, like TR said, man, being kind can be cruel sometimes, but at the end of the day, wounds from friends are better than kisses from enemies. And uh, if we don't have the courage and the empathy to give that feedback when it's an appropriate relationship to provide it, then we need to stop kidding around and not not call ourselves a leader. So I hope you guys got a ton of value out of that episode. I think it was, man, super, super good hearing that article. And uh, yeah, if you're like me, I imagine that there's a lot of things that are going through your head. So my encouragement to you as you go out today is that if you have someone like this in your company, that this week you'll take the time to get some thoughts on paper, document what's wrong, think about the plan to restoration, and then have that conversation. Don't put it off. The sooner that you can have it, the better that things are going to be. And if you struggle to think about, well, we, we just couldn't survive without that person. You know what? It's not true. It's absolutely not true. There's, there's a way forward and it doesn't mean it's easy, but, but there's a way forward. And when you cut the cancer out of your organization, it's amazing how other people start to step up to the occasion because they want to be part of this team and they're willing to sacrifice to do it too. So hope you guys enjoyed that. I think that it was really, really cool getting to hear TR's wisdom there. We have one more episode next week in our Firetime Magazine Rapid Reaction series, and then we are going to get started with interviews again for season 12. And so with that, I will leave you to it. Hope you guys have an amazing week. We'll talk again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. All in to burn. Yeah.